All right. So, hi, Tom. How's it going? Going pretty good. It's been a long week. How long? Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like I've lived out a month in the last five days. Oh, wow. If you can believe that, but it's, it's actually, it's true. So thank you so much for agreeing to color with me this evening. It's evening here where I am. I know it's just afternoon where you are still. Late afternoon, almost 3.30. Okay. But it, it's honestly my pleasure. I appreciate it so much. I enjoyed when we got a chance to talk when you were on uh, my podcast. So to, to get to be on yours, it's uh, an honor. And I know we're going to have a good conversation. So thank you. Yes, yes, most definitely. Thank you. And um, I very much enjoyed getting to be a guest on your show when you had me. So thanks so much for inviting me to that too. So um, this is kind of a new concept that I have going where I am having more conversations with guests. Mm -hmm. And um, because I'm somebody who works to try to curb anxiety in her life, um, coloring is something that I've taken up as just kind of a nice stress relieving hobby. And I figured, well, I know that when I was younger, it worked to be able to sit down and color with somebody that I didn't know. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. they were my friend afterwards. And so I figured, well, let me, let me see if that still works. I don't know <laughs> if there's an age limit on it. I don't know if there's like, you know, location boundaries, but let me see if that still works. And because it's the internet and the internet needs more nice stuff, I figured this can't hurt anything. So let's try it. I like it. I got some markers here and my sheet of paper I'm coloring on too. So I'm looking forward to it. So are you coloring something in or are you drawing something? Um, I like to do abstract. So I'll be doing some sort of abstract coloring. Okay, awesome. So what I've got right here, I'm just going to show you, I am using my coloring book from Crayola uh, for adults, but I've got all these daisies here on this page. So I'm going to see what I can do with those. Here's here's mine so far. Okay, awesome. <laughs> You're doing good. Doing really good. <laughs> I'll show you. We'll, we'll show what it's like at the very end, right? Yes, most definitely. And for for folks who are listening and not watching, I held up a blank sheet of paper. Yeah, completely blank. And he's he's doing such a good job. I'm really proud of him. Uh, well, you know, one thing I was thinking of um, is I have I really like to send handwritten cards to people. Yes. And I had been looking for places online that had like affirmation cards I could include in them. Yes. And today when I was walking home from the bus stop, I was like, wait, don't you have something like that? <laughs> yes, I do. I was kicking <laughs> myself that I didn't get my order from you. So I'm gonna have to get the next one from you. So I was wondering, like, what, what did they say? Like, could they fit in a standard size greeting card? And could you just tell yes. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I should have some. And, and we that. didn't plan this. Antoinette didn't say immediately start by giving <laughs> me, me a about my product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me about so that I can sell all my stuff. Yeah, no, this is totally unrehearsed. <laughs> okay, so I've got an affirmation pack right here. So um, I'll take it out of the packaging in a second, but it's got the Mandela logo on the back. And then the affirmation pack actually includes a bracelet right now. Um, oh, cool. It will include other things as well as we kind of 
continue to develop the product. But um, I can show you one of the affirmations here. I can read it to you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so it, each affirmation deck as well as pack comes with five affirmation cards. So you get a deck of five. Um, and so the one that I've been sharing on social media a lot says, get good at identifying energy sources and energy drains. Mm. So what do you think of when you think of energy sources and energy drains? Huh. I try to, as much as I can, take complete ownership on both accounts. So usually for me, a drain is when I get mad at myself for lowering my own standards. So for instance, if somebody gets me upset or I'm frustrated with somebody, it's usually because I'm not speaking up or... I'm letting someone walk all over me or, you know, so it's usually both on my end are, I have found that I'm not protecting my boundaries and keeping my own standards up. And then my other energy drain is like this, the limiting belief that I've been working on getting over is that everything has to come through grit and stress and hard work and efforting and no sleep and da 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 and every time I do that, two weeks in a row, week three, I'm sick the whole week without, without fail. So. <laughs> yeah, I can actually identify with that um, on both accounts, with both of the things that you said. So, um, okay, so because that's echoing in my mind right now, the whole idea that you can achieve progress and success without having to stress yourself out or just completely take yourself to the limit yeah, that's probably been the resounding message that I've gotten this week that, you know, mm. you don't necessarily have to put yourself through all of that anguish in order to like move forward and to learn something and to progress in some way. Um, yeah. So um, what was the first thing you had said? Cause I was holding the card and then I, Oh yes. Okay. So as far as like, contributing to being an energy source or an energy drain. I know that I get so frustrated. I actually got frustrated with myself last week because I was choosing to engage in things that I knew were not going to fulfill or enrich me or enlighten mm. me in any way. And I was, I was flocking to those things and I knew like, this is just going to make you upset. This is just going to mm. frustrate you. But I did it anyway. And I was like, okay, well, you drained yourself of energy, Antoinette. You can't really be mad at anybody else because you chose that. So, um, yeah, that, that's been my lesson recently with that. It's, it's one that, that I keep coming back to. <laughs> yeah. Setting boundaries has been a really huge thing for me this year. Like, I've had to learn how to say no and mean it and um look out for myself before I start looking out for other people and setting boundaries that way and it's been kind of scary because I've had to do that with people who are in my family but mm. I'm grateful for it because I feel like it gives me more space to be free mm -hmm. yeah in um 2015 that's when I really had to get between like 
the fall of 2015 and maybe March of 2016, that's when I sat down and built a whole new relationship with no, Mm -hmm. because I, I had said yes to so many things that I was just perpetually burnt out and overcommitted and running myself ragged. And so that was, that's been one of the, and it's something, you know, a relationship I try to get stronger in every year, but I, I really have found that my ability to say no to things. And it was the year Shonda Rhimes released her year of yes. So like for me, it was my year of no. And I have <laughs> found that having a strong no has been, because saying yes to things wasn't necessarily my area of improvement I needed to work on. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a huge one in, in my life too. Yeah, I was kind of raised on the idea that you always had to say yes. Like you were Mm. lucky to have the opportunity to say yes, so you better say yes. That Mm. was kind of what I was indoctrinated into. And um, I believe that it contributed to turning me into the sort of overachiever that I am these days because I know that I have a lot I'm not saying that I'm the strongest person in the world, but I know that I have a lot of inner motivation to say, okay, let's pick up and start again. Let's pick up and try again. Let's pick up and, and, you know, just, I'll keep trying no matter what, even if I I have zero strategy, zero plan, I'll just keep trying. Um, I think that I'm grateful for that because I know that it's propelled me to where I am currently and where I'm going. But at the same time, it's also made me so dang tired. Mm. <laughs> I'm so burnt out from saying yes to so many things and overcommitting myself and thinking that like I had to do those things in order to progress in some way. So finding freedom in saying no to that kind of stuff, that's been really helpful for me this year, but it's also been really difficult. It's not something I just slid into. Mm. What, what do you think, if you don't mind me asking, do you think the way that society socializes us in terms of being men and women and feeling different pressures to like, feel like you have to say yes or you have to put an extra effort or you have to go a little bit harder because like for me for instance as a white guy like doors aren't going to be closed for me so i don't have to like have this feeling of i gotta show up and prove myself i mean we all do in terms of how we're socialized and that we don't feel worthy in a capitalist society but i don't have that extra aspect that i feel like people are going to close the door on me because when they see me they're going to shut down You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, Okay, so your question, when I hear that, I hear kind of like two different layers to the answer that I have to that. So first and foremost, absolutely, women everywhere are always kind of socialized into the idea that, you know, you have to be the peacemaker and you have to be the one who gets along with people and you have to be the one to say sorry and you have to be the one to be agreeable because otherwise there's something wrong with you if you are like saying no to stuff and, and, you know, putting up a fuss basically, which it's not even really a fuss if you just say no to something, but it's really amazing how men how many men, and I'm not saying this to say like, oh, men are pigs, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's not even me, but it's amazing how many men don't know how to respect 
a woman's no when she says it. Mm. I mean, I had a superior on a previous job who he was throwing this Christmas party and I just didn't want to go. I wasn't feeling it. Mm. And he was like, it sends a message. If you don't go, you need to be there. You need to come to this party, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, okay, fine. And it was, it was a virtual job. So like, I didn't have to actually go anywhere, but just attend this kind of webinar Christmas party thing. And I just didn't want to go. I wasn't feeling it, but he was so adamant that I had to be there that I just decided for my own sanity, that it was easier to say, okay, fine, sure. I'll go than to keep saying no, but he didn't want to respect the fact that I was saying no to him. So, you know, there's that, but then also with being a black woman, black women are expected to hold up everybody and they mama in the community mm. and it's like i i've i've never ever i've never been excited for that like when i was young i never was like oh yeah i can't wait to hold a whole community on my shoulders and i've never condoned that like i always feel like gosh that's a lot to put onto mm. our women and girls and so um so yes to answer your question um yeah i think that I think that politics plays a role in that for sure. And I have felt that and seen that myself. Mm. Well, I appreciate you answering because it's, you know, just having self-awareness for me talking about like, oh, I'm trying to work on like working less and not working as hard. But like, there's no cultural stereotypes of me as a white guy saying that. But I imagine like if I was a black man saying like, you know, I'm going to work. My thing is I want to work less. I want to work harder. Like, stereotypes that people already have about me as a black man saying that it's just bringing up for me in this moment you know within the self-help personal development business development space there's a lot of things that people push that really doesn't have any of i think that self-awareness to it yes and i think that there are different layers to that self-help awareness um you know for different people and I don't know if we're always, I don't know if we always acknowledge that there's, there's like different, different kinds of people need different kinds of help, but I don't think we want to say that out loud a lot of times. And so um, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for like with the example you mentioned with black men, it doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for them to have alternative narratives, not without being tormented somewhat with them um no i but you seem to be very aware and in tune when it comes to social issues and stuff i know that that was one thing that kind of drew me to you when i first saw your profile on instagram as i was like oh okay he like seems to care about issues that are you know not so mainstream and so mm. um i'm curious to know like were you always this way? Were you raised to be this way? Or was this something that you kind of came to be? Or I'm, I'm always curious when I meet somebody who is white, who is like that, because I feel like it takes some kind of intention for somebody mm. who's white to be that way. Mm. Not to say that people who are white can't have intention. Obviously you do and other people do, but, um, you know, if you don't have to step outside of your bubble, then you don't have to. I mean, I can't say that I necessarily would always want to step outside of my comfort bubble 
if I lived in one. Um, mm. I would hope that I would, but I'm just being realistic that, I mean, most people, most people would say to you that, you know, they hope that certain groups would give certain sacrifices. But I think that that's a lot to ask because I don't know that I would do the exact same thing if I was put in the same position. And I'd rather not, you know, run down that whole hypothetical because we, we really have no way of telling. But um, I, I commend it, though. I commend that you are intentional in that effort. And so I was curious to know where that came from. And I'm well, really long-winded. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, just w- one thing on that, I, I would assume that there are some areas in your life where you, you do have privilege and that you do step out and are an ally to people. So, you know what I'm saying? Like one, one area is race, but then I'm, you know, religion, sexual orientation, class, all these other ones. So for me, um, I started to become politically active my, right around the Iraq war when we started to invade Iraq. Okay. Uh, and that, that coincided with me being really into punk rock. So okay. I think that things went hand in hand and that like the punk rock i started to listen to these lyrics and it started to have me see that like oh like the u.s doesn't the the wars that the u.s starts aren't all wars against the nazis world war ii Mm -hmm. like there's another narrative that since world war ii like vietnam like you know panama all these different places were whether it's the cia or you know, the U.S., in whatever way that there's injustice committed in, in our name. And so I started to become aware of those kind of things, but it wasn't really, didn't go beyond that until I was in college. And then I took a, a black studies course. And that's when I started to, I was introduced to a more like the, now we all know the term intersectional lens, where we talk about, you know, different forms of identities in the way that because of the systemic way our society is set up, that it impacts us as individuals and then collectively. And so I was at the time a music major and I was taking different black studies classes and I loved the way after each class, I would leave feeling like I looked at the world and my place in it completely different. Like it was these things that I had no idea about and then finally someone told me, so I now had the choice, do I want to keep remaining like oblivious, although now I know, so it's an intentional choice, or do I want to take ownership of this and do I want to engage in it? And so for me, every time I would realize that, oh, this was a blind spot, this is an area of bias that I'm intentionally or usually it was unintentionally implicit bias participating in. Now I have the choice that do I want to be, go through the work and the practice of removing this so I can be a better person, so I can treat people better and do my part in making the world a better place. So I decided to change my major to Black Studies. So that's what I graduated with. So that gave me the really strong foundation that when I graduated, I went and volunteered full-time for two years through AmeriCorps, which is the domestic version of the Peace Corps, at a nonprofit mm-hmm. that their mission was to end discrimination by cultivating leadership in high school students. So then I started participating in a, as a facilitator, somebody who was creating a workshop or a process that myself with my co-facilitators would take a diverse group of students and we'd go through different forms of systemic discrimination. Like we'd have an interfaith workshop 
an LGBTQ workshop, a race workshop, gender workshop. And so that's when I really started engaging in it as a facilitator. And then I've been doing that. So if that was 2010, I've been doing that ever since. So that's where a lot of the experience and it really comes from people really taking the emotional labor and their time and pulling me aside and saying, Tom, that was, that was bogus. You're wrong here. Let me hold a mirror. Let me bring this to your awareness. And then at that point, then I had the choice to be like, like you were saying, like how many times before people pulled me aside, did I not believe women when they would say either yes or no, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, because when you're socialized as a man in a sexist society, you're taught that subconsciously and consciously, you know better than women. And so when they tell you something, it's like, well, actually, I know better than you. Although you don't, usually most men don't realize that we're, we're doing that. It's usually a subconscious thing. That's what's happening. So there's so many women before then and, and even now that I do that as well. And so each time I, I you know, make the resolve and I become more self-aware of what the behavior was that I did that led to that kind of action. And I, I try to improve upon it. Awesome. So that's my long winded answer for your question too. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I enjoyed listening to every bit of that. And there is a piece of what you were saying about like, you know, when you, when you're somebody who is ignorant at first, because you just don't know, you haven't been exposed to something. Someone hasn't told you otherwise, you know, it's, Um, you have a right to be sort of bumping around there in the dark, but then once you know better, then of course it's on you to go and try to educate yourself and, you know, figure things out and dive a little bit deeper. But I had just recently posted about that. Speaking of affirmations, I had recently posted about that onto Instagram, but you know, sometimes the best thing that you can do Um, when you're in a position like someone like me, who is someone, I'm a person, I'm a black woman. I was going to say person of color. I don't really like that phrase anymore, but, um, I'm a black woman and, um, I'm somebody who more often than not in most spaces, people probably aren't going to be speaking or acting from the lens of like, you know, how I would see things. And so, Mm most things are probably going to go in a way that if they were offensive to me, the people who were partaking in them or, um, you know, participating, I hear footsteps. Um, you know, they probably, they probably aren't aware. Hi, Adrian. You were right. <laughs> I was totally right. Um, <laughs> hi, oh, they're both here. Yeah, they're both here. <laughs> Once the floodgates open. <laughs> totally. Oh, I bet you do. See, didn't I tell you? <laughs> but I, um, what's up you guys? No, not right now. What'd you guys come in here for? Were you looking for me? Yeah. What's up? I just say hi. hi. You wanted to say hi? Okay, here, you can say hi. Hi. Hi, how are you? Thank you. Oh, that's right. Here, I have. Oh, there we go. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Yeah? Kennedy. What did you say? Oh, it's nice to meet you. My name's Tom. Hi, Tom. Are you done with school for the week? Huh? Are you done with school for the week? 
Yeah. Okay, Almost. So I've got to finish up with talking with Tom. <laughs> we can color. You and I can color, but not right this second. Okay. Bye. <laughs> there you go. Okay, bye guys. Are you okay? okay. <laughs> they just want to know what's going on in there. Yeah, yeah. they totally do. <laughs> <sighs> That's my kids for ya. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were talking about you know, being in spaces where if something offensive happens, it's usually not people being seeing it or knowing it happened. Well, yeah. And so one of the nicest things that you can do, and I mentioned this recently in an affirmation, is that you like don't get all embarrassed. I know that mm. what just came out of that person's mouth is completely ridiculous. And, um, you know, if they knew better, they probably wouldn't be saying it. Now, this isn't everybody. I know mm. that there's some people who just speak recklessly just because. But mm. um, there are a lot of people who I think would really love to be able to learn, but we don't give them the opportunity to because we don't give them the opportunity to be curious. Because every time people are mm. curious or say the wrong thing or make a mistake, we jump all over them. Mm. I mean, that's why... I'm a big believer in dialogue because when you're in a space where ground rules are set and you warm people up, you get to know each other, you build rapport and a little bit of trust. Then when I say something, we're in a space where the intention is that we, we do work through it together. Right. I think but, that we've skipped that, that step altogether. Um, mm. I don't know. It seems like we've jumped from, the idea of let's hear somebody out to, okay, they pissed me off. So now let's cancel them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think it depends on the, the context. I think in terms of how long these kind of oppressions have been going on, I think that like time is up is, or, or shut it down or cancel them. Or like, I think that has its place. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, for some people, I, for me, like if we think of activism as a spectrum, like the, I'm going to like sit on the freeway, shut it down is like, to me, just as needed as the like, let's sit down and dialogue. Because for most people, they don't even want, like, they're not even going to dialogue about it until it interrupts their life. And then they're all fresh. Oh my, ah! and then someone's like, okay, let me talk to you. Let's talk about it. But for most people, like in the majority, like, and it took like a white supremacist president for a lot of people used to think we were in post-racial America. Do you remember hearing that when Obama was elected? Oh they yeah. Don't... People still mention that today actually, but I I'm like, really? You're still saying that? That's so funny. That's like hearing the word floppy disk, the, the term floppy disk. <laughs> like that's so, at least that's how I, I receive it anyway. But yes, I do remember that. So some, a lot of things don't connect for people until it connects on a personal level, which is, which is to me the problem with empathy. Somebody the other day said to me, they were like, I don't like any of the Democrats, so I might just vote for Trump. And so I was like, and I knew it was somebody that they knew my wife. So I was like, okay, so basically you wanna deport my wife and you wanna ban my religion and you think that you know my whole and other in-laws are from a shithole country. 
And they were like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, your voting has consequences. Like, if that, like, don't come in here saying you love us and then you're going to empower someone like that. And they were like, you could tell for the first time ever, they were like, oh, like, my actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, you saw that to them, it was like, it's not just a joke. Yeah, I think that throughout this whole, like, throughout, you know, having Trump elected and just kind of the changeover. Because, see, I live in Florida now, but I grew up in Southern California. And Mm -hmm. what's interesting about living in Florida right now is that when I moved here in 2014, when I moved here in 2014, the state was... Is it blue? Blue is for Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So the state was blue. Obama had won Florida in 2012. Looking back at that, I don't know how he did it, but he mm-hmm. won Florida. So when I moved here, this was a blue state, but then it turned into a red state in 2016. And so, like, it's really interesting because I got to witness, like, just exactly what that looked like as far as mm. just change in people's attitudes, in the propaganda, in just the way that people would act. It became different around here in Florida. And so um, I think that the whole idea of voter responsibility and taking real true ownership of this nation of ours, I think that that's resonated with people recently. I think that I, I see more people starting to catch on that, oh, what I do and what I cast votes for actually makes a difference. And like, I should probably think about that. Mm. Um, but here's what I wonder, and you can tell me how you okay. feel about this. Is I'm it ready. possible for us to, cause you were talking about like, <laughs> I know someone, someone who I love very much who voted for Trump and mm-hmm. I am very sad that he did that, but he was to do that and it is what it is. And when I talk to this person about why they voted for Trump and why they still support Trump, they always talk about it from an economic standpoint and, you know, no more outsourcing of jobs and no more, um, you know, celebrating the, the outsourcing of industry and bringing more jobs home and creating more jobs here you know, this person who I'm talking about is someone who lost their job when jobs were being moved overseas. Mm -hmm. So I get that. Um, And I don't think this person is somebody who would be in favor of having someone like your wife deported and, um, you know, the, the kind of stuff that's happening at the border and stuff. I don't think they're in support of that entirely. And so I wonder how much, because I know I mentioned cancel culture just a second ago, but I just wonder how much how much can we pick and choose? Like, are we able to take little, are we able to take what we like and leave the stuff that we don't like when it comes to people and their behavior? Cause I know that there's been a lot of conversations about this with regard to Jay-Z and this whole NFL deal and Kaepernick and, you know, a lot of situations that have happened recently. So what do you think about that? Like, is it possible to take what you like and leave the other stuff or is it all or nothing? Well, for me, I think, you know, this, I think a lot of this came up with Ellen sitting next to uh, Bush too. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. So I think a lot of it, first of all, it's a personal, all of this is a personal decision. And I think the, 
ways that this affects you because of your identity, I think puts, puts you in closer proximity to having uh, more of a spot on answer. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm the furthest removed from how it, it affects me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it depends for me. A big part is how much that person has power. So like my uncle or my aunt or my friend or my cousin or my, my friend from high school, like they have power in their personal life and in their personal sphere, but they don't have power in terms of influencing thousands or millions of people. So, you know, for people in my life who are family members or friends who voted for Trump, for me, it's not, uh, I didn't cancel them. I you try to use my relationship to be a bridge, like in that example I gave of sharing the consequences. Or I say to people who are like, I vote for Trump because of the economic things. First of all, I say, so what you're saying is like, I'm willing to, to take advantage of the economic benefits he's going to give me, knowing that it's going to be at the expense of black and, black and brown people. So like, then you got to own that. That's part of if that, which is basically like, uh, you know, a, a white thing. Like I want the benefits that come with being white and getting the jobs. And I won't have to face any of the, the pressure of, you know, his rhetoric around, you know, police should use excessive force. Yes, they should do that. People at the border should separate kids. Like all of this language that has very real consequences on even people that we consider to be living the perfect American ideals where you have a job, you're with your family, you're paying your taxes, all of these kind of things. Like in, in gun carry states that you have your permit, that you tell a police officer you have the permit. All of these things, even then, because you are sharing this identity that Trump is continually putting down, you are going to be negatively impacted by that. But I can look the other way when I'm white because it doesn't have a negative impact on me. So that's a conscious choice of white privilege I'm taking part in that I, I first have to recognize. After that, I say, and if you're still going to support Trump, then you have to use your voice to say out loud to your friends, to all those around you, to other Republicans online, that I want to support Trump, but I cannot support these other things. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear most, I don't hear any Trump supporters saying that, that I love the stuff Trump does for business and these kind of things. But I, I like am unequivocally do not support your racism, your Islamophobia, your things at the border, like then challenge your leaders to become the best version of themselves. But most, most people I see, they aren't doing that, which leads me to think that you must not have that big of a problem with it. So that's usually the conversation I have with Trump supporters who I have a relationship with. Okay. And, um, thank you for sharing that. It's good to get somebody else's point of view on that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the, the perfect or right answer is for that. I think that it's unfortunate because I'm sad that in my lifetime, I had to witness seeing this country be so divided the way that it has been over the last few years since, you know, Trump has been elected. It just seems like we've become so, so divided as a people. and. I don't think that that is the solution for whatever is coming next. And I have no idea what it is, but whatever's coming next, 
I think it's going to require us to be kind and loving and generous and accepting of each other in order for us to succeed. I don't think that we're going to succeed by distancing ourselves from each other. Mm. That's just me personally. 